Magnificent morning, folks. This is Jay Jameson with Her Story Podcast. HER is an acronym for Heroic, Empowering, and Resilient. And this is a self-improvement, self-acceptance, and women empowerment podcast. My main purpose is to encourage, empower, and motivate all women by highlighting their personal stories of triumph over adversity. Each of us has a story. Maybe it's an illness, a financial burden, or dead-end job. In general, unforeseen circumstances can make you feel isolated or alone. But when you feel like you've hit rock bottom, it doesn't mean that it is the end of your story. It is often within the darkest nights we produce the brightest stars. There are women out there who have gone through the very same barriers you may be facing today, but they didn't give up. In fact, they use their difficulties to mold them into strong and resilient women. And if they can break through their hardships, so can you. Because you are her. Heroic, empowering, and resilient. And good morning, great people. This is Jay Jameson, again with Her Story Podcast. Really excited to have you all tuning in today. Today, I'm excited because I have a great guest with me. Her name is Kayla Beal. Kayla is a natural-born innovator in today's society. She's a television producer, writer, model, entrepreneur. She was raised in Queens, New York, where her parents showed her the importance of education. She excelled her academic goals, earning a Bachelor's of Arts degree, and graduated magnum cum laude at Virginia State University. She cultivated a remarkable track record of influencing her peers as Vice President of Academic Affairs. Beale's career began as a public relations represent- representative for The Source magazine and BET Networks. Her career flourished as an award-winning producer for NBC Universal, creating content for daytime talk and court shows. In addition, she produced commercials for TriStar Studios and worked with several celebrities such as Jerry Springer, Steve Wilkos, Kimberly Loke, and Wendy Williams, and so much more. Kayla, welcome to Her Story Podcast. Hi! Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for having me. No problem. And I'm excited. You know, shout out to Queens. Shout out to New York. Uh, I get excited when I have various guests from all over. You know, that's that's the purpose of her story. Um, I'm based in New Orleans. So ultimately, a lot of my guests are in the southern region. But when I have folks that are out from, um, you know, the northern parts of the country and New York and Virginia and D.C., all of those great areas, super, super cool. So thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, and thank you so much for even having this platform. I love what you're doing, and I'm so all I'm all about it. So thanks again for having me. Good stuff. Good stuff. So, folks, um, you know, I would definitely be remiss if I wouldn't touch bases on what we are experiencing today, um, especially as Black women in America right now and just Black people in general. And really, the movement and everything that is associated with Her Story podcast is that directly connects with our voices and who we are as Black people and creating different platforms, creating various seats at the table, creating opportunities and it's often frustrating in 2020 in this day and age when the work and the progress that we made is it's kind of a slap in the face with what it has taken place and the lack of respect that has been shown throughout the country right now and Kayla uh, and I we had our own 
personal discussion before we even began recording today, but I just wanted to share just a few thoughts. And Kayla, if you could just share with the audience just your views uh, of what's going on and how do you feel within the whole scenario around George Floyd and police brutality and how Black people are just viewed in America. Um, yes, uh, we definitely had a long conversation about that um, because I feel as though like I'm very you know, troubled in my spirit because I'm heartbroken on, you know, what's happening around, you know, the world. We're in a pandemic and, you know, we're not only fighting this virus, but we're fighting for our rights and we're fighting for our life. So we're fighting a double fight. Um, so it's, it's, it is very troubling, but we, you know, will, we will win, we will perceive, and I think that the people right now are, you know, just having another outlet of showing that this battle is not over, and we've been fighting this battle for over 6,000 years, and we're going to continue to fight to until things are right, you know, and that's the whole point of, like, even promoting this HBCU uh book this experience this movement because it's about black culture it's about black love it's about black history it's about showing unity about you know black education mattering you know our success mattering because and you know i feel you know it's not only just about george george floyd it's about everyone that has been affected by by this you know, this is an ongoing topic. This is an ongoing battle and we should be treated fairly and not be brushed under the rug because we're all, we should be all one. Definitely. And and thank you so much, Kayla, for your words, you know, as, um, just as human beings, we are definitely just tired of begging for human decency. So I'm, I'm asking everyone, you know, no matter your color, your language, your ethnicity, to really just open your hearts and just hear the cry of everyone that has been racially profiled or everyone who is in this fight to dismantle, uh, the racial injustices that, we as black folks and people of color fight on a daily basis. And as Kayla said, you know, this is just an opportunity right now to use our voices and to really just ignite that fire within us. You know, sometimes those feelings of despair and doubt and hopelessness, we have to use them in terms to motivate each other and just to strategically organize and work towards a common goal and a common cause and really just act. And again, um, I thank you again for just sharing you know, how you feel around this because it, it wouldn't be right if we didn't at least touch bases on what's currently happening right now. So thank you. No, for we, that. Have to, we have to touch base on it because it, it, it's a mindset that has to be reprogrammed for everyone. You know, the black community, we're coming together. Yes. You know, we're saying that is not right. And we're looking for those to also shed light on it. Don't be quiet. You know, say something, mm-hmm. you know, March, say you're right, say right is right and wrong is wrong. And if you're being quiet about it, how can we ever see change? Exactly. You know, we have to come together. We have to, we have to continue to show people this isn't right. And we're expecting, you know, change. We're expecting change because change needs to happen exactly. in order for us to successfully there's no reason why we're in a pandemic right now and 
we're supposed to be as a global world right now we are fighting against this virus and america can't get it together you know it's it's very sad and it's it's very heart shattering that we have to fight for our life twice not once but twice and you know we need to come together and tell everyone that it's not okay what the government police brutality it's not okay to you know shoot someone that is just running you know or you know racially profiling racially profiling them you know women have to like watch what they say because then they're like oh well she's just an angry black woman or the black man can't just walk to the store and have a hoodie on because they're afraid of being shot you know it's not a fair lifestyle that we've been living for a long time and I think that right now they're seeing the results of that because we've been oppressing a lot of those feelings and I think that it's now coming on a you know on a scale where it's now we're tired we're tired of it and we want to show why it is that why we are so upset about it it's not just about just that one person it's not just about George Floyd and I go out to their families it's the families it's the friends it's everyone that is affected you know, so it's a bigger picture and some people get it and some people don't. And you know what? We're not going to stop until everyone gets the point gotcha. because this is a battle of 6,000 years and we need to make sure that people understand that equal, equal is what's right. You know, that's what God wants. You know, he wants, he, we're all his children. Mm-hmm. Most definitely. So we all God is, you know, we're all God's children, you know, and it, and it's just sad that we have to, like, we have to result to violence. That's not what God wants. We, he wants unity. Mm-hmm. And, and another point that you made to, like, to be silent is to really be on the side of the, the oppressor. To be neutral is to be on the side of the oppressor, right? And uh, I often feel like, you know, um, folks, you know, even other uh, people of color outside of the black race or, you know, our white counterparts, sometimes they feel as though it may not be their battle or, you know, if they are silent, they don't want to upset those within their organization or their family members or things like that. But as, as black people, we're sick and tired of being sick and tired. And when you are silent, you are definitely a contributor to racial injustice. And so when you are silent, just eliminate yourself from the scenario because I don't have the time or the energy to even engage with someone like that who accepts some, that it is okay for anyone to be killed in broad daylight or anyone to be killed in their neighborhood or anyone to be killed in the dark of night or for a woman as you and I to fear even talking as we're in the comfort of our own homes right now that bullets can go through our window or that our door can get ransacked down as we're laying our head to sleep at night and no one be held accountable. All of these things create a fear within us and you know it the time for this now is no more and I'm glad that as millennials as black people as black women as black women even when we are trying to teach our children that we as a race are no longer quiet because the time now is to not be quiet and it's definitely to act and however you choose to act that's left up to the individual but we cannot remain quiet 
And, you know, with that being said, um, finding my voice with me, finding my voice and my passion really is connected to me attending an HBCU. I graduated from the Southern University in A&M College in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Uh, I wear my alma mater, um, you know, on my chest. I love coming from an HBCU. It definitely helped me embrace who I am today as a Black woman. You know, to want to set foot on a college, to embrace each other, to embrace the culture, to not have these feelings of being ostracized, to be completely yourself. And um, it definitely helped mold me into who I am. So um, I know that you are a proud graduate of Virginia State University. Um, You're definitely... um, your story has impacted who you are as an individual in your career. And um, I'm super excited about the HBCU experience. Um, it's a project that, you know, some HBCU alumni are definitely participating in. They're sharing their stories. Um, and we have, you know, uh, the purpose is really to touch all HBCUs throughout the country. Right now, I'm talking with Kayla Beal. She is a contributing author to the VSU experience. So I just want to touch bases on, you know, the influence of you attending that HBCU. Did it influence your love for film and entertainment? And how did that impact your actual career? Yes. So I... I always knew I wanted to work in um, entertainment, be, you know, I wasn't sure at the time in high school exactly, you know, where, which direction to go, but I always knew I wanted to be like, ooh, I'm one of those people that watch TV and say, I, I want to be the person holding the camera or have my name in the credits or be involved somehow. I knew I wanted to do that, but I just didn't know how or where or or anything. Um, so it, I would never forget this. It was in 2007. I seen Stomp the Yard. Yes. <laughs> I seen Stomp the Yard and I fell in love. You know, I absolutely fell in love with the movie. And I was like, oh, like, it, it's so many, like, smart black people. Yes. And then, you know, they seem so empowered and they have this, like, culture about them that, you know, it seems very motivating, and at the time, I did go to um, a school that you could count <laughs> the black people on one hand. Yeah, um, so, I <laughs> you know, I I always wanted to have that feeling. So my um, family didn't really necessarily want me to leave New York, um, uh, but I said, you know, my cousin at the time, he was going to DSU and he said, hey, like, you know, actually mass communication is one of the biggest majors at VSU. Like, you, maybe your family will be okay because, you know, I'm here. So how about you just apply? And I applied there and I got the acceptance letter on prom day. And I knew right then and there that it was like meant to be. And um, I knew that, you know, going to an HBCU, I would no longer have, um, also, you know, being able to challenge myself and I will no longer have that excuse of, because of being, you know, treated unfairly. Cause sometimes we're all guilty of that. You know what I mean? And sometimes it actually does happen Mm -hmm. (laughs) where we do get treated unfairly. Right. So I just wanted to be like, okay, I'm going to challenge myself. If I'm going to an HBCU, I no longer have an excuse anymore. You know, I'm going to, you know, the, the whole entire class looks like me. So if I 
don't get a certain grade, then that's me. If I don't reach a certain point, then I'm, I'm holding myself back, right. you know? And I think that, you know, going to an HBCU forced me be- to become better. It forced me to, you know, discover who I am um, because it was a very supportive environment where everyone was, you know, lifting each other up. You know, that was the experience that I had at VSU. Um, I, I feel like it was it was like a big family, yes. you know. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we loved each other, sometimes we hated each other, but oh, it but was a culture that... Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it was a family, you know, and I didn't feel like the awkward one in the room mm-hmm. or I didn't, see, I didn't feel like any different from anyone else and I think that it challenged me and prepared me uh, for the real world, because then it was people that were just like me that were trying to su- trying to succeed. And I think that what happened with me was that, you know, my family, you know, I live in a black neighborhood, but they didn't want me to go to the schools around the area because it wasn't it wasn't good schools. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They were fighting all the time. It was drama. So I had, you know, printed in my head that I had to go to mixed school just to get a good education and to become successful so I wanted to change that narrative and I think that um I was successful at that by going to an HBCU and graduating top of my class and going into the field that I wanted to go in because I changed the narrative myself of no there are educated black men educated black women who who are striving to become successful in our culture. Definitely. And, you know, in the the irony is in that, I think we all kind of have that same shared experience before we go to an HBCU, right? Um, myself, again, predominantly white school, preschool through 12th grade. And when I first went on Southern University's campus, you know, my mom is a, a Southernite as well. But they took me the back way to campus, right? Because often HBCUs, they are built within Black communities. So we went through Scotlandville, which is actually the neighborhood that surrounds Southern University in Baton Rouge. And we went across the train tracks, right? Often Black neighborhoods are associated with being behind the tracks. So my parents took me across the train tracks. And when I saw the community around the campus, I was like, you know what? I'm not sure if I really want to go here. Like, I want to go to LSU, that you know, Louisiana State University. And my dad looked at me in the eyes and he said, no, you are going to Southern University. You are going to an HBCU. And I always did love Southern University, you know, going to the homecoming games, Bayou Classic since I was a little kid. But it was just within that moment that I felt like I was almost like stereotyping the HBCU experience based off of, you know, the community and things like that. Sometimes you can really be like brainwashed into thinking or believing that something isn't grand or beautiful because of the perception or because of what other people have told you. And even HBCUs, we may get the, you know, the, the hard end of the stick when people often, you know, they create this stigma or HBCUs, y'all just like to party. Y'all just like to, you know, it's, it's all about the band. It's all about this and that. No, HBCUs are often underfunded and we still create greatness with the less of what you all provide for us. And I think that's a resiliency within black people, within black institutions, within black corporations or anything. Sometimes we have to really fight 
for the scraps, right? It is hard for us to even realize that there's an opportunity for us to have the whole loaf of bread because so often we're, we're fighting for the bread crumbs. But in actuality, even with those crumbs, we create multiple, multiple million dollar empires. We are really just resilient and great people. So I, I just wanted to point that out there that, you know, we... We take nothing and we turn it into something. And that experience within itself is just so powerful. And I love it. And I love hearing different experiences from other graduates from HBCUs throughout the country because it's still the same, like different spectrums, different, you know, a different time, a different era, a different location throughout the country. But it's still that same love, still family oriented still successful you know it's it's just it's an amazing feeling it's really an amazing feeling it so, really is and you know what like even you know the professors at you know hbcus i have to give it to them because you know they were they hold us very accountable you know and it was more of like i, I would never forget like my freshman year like my professor goes you're not comparing yourself anymore, so don't. You know, it's almost like he already knew what we were thinking, you know? Like, right. he's like, you don't need to compare yourself to anyone in this class, and you don't need to compare yourself outside of this, outside of these walls as well. And, you know, at, when he said that at the time, you know, I was very young, so I didn't really understand really mm-hmm. what he was you know and what he was saying was don't compare yourself to other people because you need you're in a battle within yourself to become the best version of you you know so build that tough skin you know enjoy your journey and be true to yourself of you know who you are as a person so don't you know, when you compare yourself, oh, well, that person has this and he has a, a, a nice car and, you know, or, you know, she has all these riches. You can have the same exact thing. Everyone has their own journey on how they are going to become successful, where they want to where they want to be. And everyone has their own definition of what they feel success is. So it is up to you yeah. to retrain reprogram your mind it's a mindset you know to have a healthy mindset and have a healthy be healthy mentally be healthy spiritually you know be healthy healthy physically and I feel like being in the culture of an HBCU you know I was able to pull from different organizations of seeing you know the fraternities and sororities um forming brotherhoods and sisterhoods or seeing the choir where they're, you know, preaching about God. And I'm like, okay, I see the importance or the, you know, athletic team and they're, you know, so much into their health, you know? So it's just like, it builds, I was able to be in an environment where I took, you know, little things from my surroundings and build my own character. And I think that was what was important because my foundation came from my black culture and that I'm proud of. Yes. Yes. I love that. And, you know, and that's really just a perfect segue to you creating your own seat at the table and leveraging different relationships to really stand out within your industry. Um, You know, reading your bio within itself is very powerful. And you have so many connections to many national networks, different celebrities and influencers. So how were you able to leverage those relationships? 
Um, I think that, you know, that's what, you know, going to VSU was all about. Because when I first got to VSU, I was, um, I didn't think, you know, there would be so many random people that would say hello to me. And, like, in New York, we kind of, like, don't talk to each other. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was a culture shock for me that everyone was, like, so nice. But it taught me to be more friendlier and to make those connections. Where I'm, so where I'm going in, uh, into red carpet events or I'm going to a boardroom or I'm going to, you know, networking events, I'm, I'm not shy to be myself and I'm not shy to talk to the person and to talk first and say hello and start a conversation and I felt like going to an HBCU gave me that confidence so I was able to you know make connections with people that I probably wouldn't have made connections with if I didn't go to an HBCU you know um so I'm very very you know grateful for that and you know I have to give the source though to God because I feel like you know God has guided me through this whole entire process and opened a lot of doors to, doors for me that were very unexplainable and you know I'm very grateful and I feel very blessed and I wanted to join this movement because you know I you know want to be able to help others as well get on their feet or if they go after, you know, and go after their dream. Um, because I think it's like very important. And sometimes we battle ourselves to thinking that oh, we can't do something subconsciously when really you can. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And amen to that. Amen to that. And, you know, it's, when one door closes, another one opens. And definitely, like, God is in control of many of our successes. And, you know, but it's it's difficult still when coping with certain situations because we may have felt like it was best during that time. And then when the years pass or maybe a few months pass, you realize that this really wasn't it, you know, like God had something really greater prepared for me. And so you're so receptive of the incoming and the overflow of different blessings. And how were you able to get through those um those moments when you know you thought it might may have been right or you tried to get your foot into the door and it was shutting your face how were you able to cope with that and really resonate in the victor mindset um i think that what i would do is um i would pray a lot and you could pray, 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 but you also got to put action into what you're praying Amen. for. Yes. Got to help. You know what I'm saying? You got to help the situation so that God could give you something. So he gives you a little bit, right? Right. You ask him and you're praying about it. You're meditating on it. He gives you a little bit to see how you can handle it. So show, you know, I'm about like, you know, I'm going to show you God that I can handle this, you know? Um, so you know, and then also like blessing someone else helps you to get blessed more, you mm -hmm. know? So I think that, you know, going through this process of, you know, going to a VS, going to VSU, going to an HBCU, it definitely, you know, helped me build a spiritual growth and also to never give up, you know, no matter what it is, you know, and I talk about that in the book about, you know, I don't want to get too much, but I do talk about in the book where, you know, I applied to a job 
um, the source, actually. I applied to the source magazine, and they weren't answering me, and I went to the lobby, and I, like, greeted every single person that came into the building, and I'm like, hello, hi, how are you? My name is Kayla, you know, yeah. um, make talk, and then I ended up, you know, having an interview, walking in the elevator, I'm screaming inside, but I, like, prepared myself for that moment. You know, I prayed about it, but I also made action towards it, and, you know, the mindset of don't give up, don't compare yourself, be the best version of you, all you can do is try, Right. That's all you can do. You try, if you try your best at whatever it is that you want to do and you're consistent at it, you're going to, ha- you're, you're going to succeed. No matter if it takes one year, two years, 10 years, 15 years, whatever it is, you have to be consistent in exactly what it is that you want to do and it will prevail itself. You will, you will be rewarded for that. But if you don't try, you're never going to you're always just going to wonder and you're going to keep yourself in that bubble and hold yourself back. Cause really internally we're in a battle with ourselves. We're in the battle of this, you know, negative mindset that we can't do certain things. Stop, stop talking negative, you know, use affirmations. I can do this. I, I will succeed. I will become a millionaire. I am a millionaire. I am great. I am rich. I am amazing. I, you know, yes, yes, it's yourself because you can do it. I don't know who I'm talking to, you know, that's listening right now, but don't let anyone tell you that you can't. And I think this goes back to the whole black culture in itself of us always being told no. Right. Mm -hmm. So show people that you can, no matter who it is, don't let your friends, your family, your like, don't let anyone tell you that you can't do it. Just prove them wrong. And I think that's what the culture of HBCU taught me is to, you know, be the best version of you. Yes. However that is. And don't stop until you, you know, get to be the success of, of where you want to be. And then catapult, you know, keep going, keep striving. I feel like that's what I'm doing. I'm still striving. I'm still learning. I'm still, you know, building. I'm still growing. And in the process of that, you know what? I, I, I hope to motivate other people to do the same. Yes. And basically, in in short, faith without works is dead. You know, you cannot, you cannot stop. You cannot be stagnant. You can't become complacent. No matter what setbacks, barriers, hurdles, whatever you want to call it, comes your way. And you know, it's it's funny that you said um, the importance of affirmations because I always preach that. I'm 30 years old. I have affirmation and sticky notes all over my mirror. I'm I am important. You know, like the help. I am kind. <laughs> I am intelligent. I am bold. I am innovative. All of these things are needed because sometimes we don't even realize it. Doubt creeps into our mind, right? You may go to a meeting. You may see and be surrounded by certain people and 
it often, it may bring sometimes like, am I smart enough? Am I intelligent enough to be at this table? Yes, you are intelligent. Yes, you are smart enough. If you weren't smart and intelligent enough, and if you hadn't made the networks and the connections, you wouldn't even be in this room. So don't ever underestimate yourself. Always believe in yourself and put yourself first because everyone is an expert, right? Everyone is an expert in something, in some field, Say that you're the expert when you enter that room and your knowledge and your innovativeness, your creativity, your expertise within, within any industry that you're in, those talents will show and they will overflow within themselves. So um, even with that, you know, you having the experience that you have, you being very resilient and certain things being closed and you creating a way out of no way. Thank you for sharing that story. And also, let's talk about perceptions for you, LLC. You know, this is your business. Tell us a little bit about, you know, what is that concept? What is the focus in you discovering your passion to create this? Um, yes. So I, you know, I worked for, you know, several different, you know, major networks to smaller le- networks, you know, NBC Universal, BET, you know, uh, TriStar Studios, the list goes on. And I learned a lot from all those different networks. And I decided, you know what, like, instead of, you know, be working for these networks, I would like to sit at the same table uh, and partner with, you know, these networks. So I decided to create Perception for You, um, LLC, because I wanted to everything is about what you perceive, you know, on TV. So whatever you perceive, you can achieve and you will receive. So it's about, you know, helping clients focus their minds and, you know, from the inside out. And a lot of times, whatever we watch on TV and watch on movies, you know, we all have a different perception of that image. Right. So we all, whether we take something positive or whether we take something negative from it, we take a perception of what we're seeing. And my job is to help clients, you know, tell their story and in a positive light, you know, how can, you know, a lot of people have a story, but they don't know how to necessarily tell what that is. So it's just helping them to, you know, focus their mind on like what is important, what choices in life that they want to, you know, go for and what picture idea realization and recognition that they have within themselves that they aren't able to either articulate or articulate or show. And that's what perception is all about. Yes. Thank you so much, Kayla, for sharing your story. I I really, really, really um, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I think the, the energy that we shared Thank is you. so organic. I, I truly enjoyed it. And I do hope to connect with you some way in the future. And um, I just want to use this time now for you to share where can folks find you, you know, your social media handle, and also the HBCU experience, the Virginia State Edition, how can folks purchase that book? Okay, yes, yeah, so you can purchase the book on Amazon. Um, so um, if you go to Amazon, just type in HBCU uh, Experience Movement, Virginia State University Edition, you can get a copy there. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. I post about things behind the scenes if behind the scenes if the studio allows me to I always am looking for you know 
different people, photographers or actors or models, directors, producers, writers, editors. Um, so I'm always posting about things like that. So definitely follow me. Um, my name is on Instagram is Kayla underscore way. Again, that's Kayla underscore way and way means winning all year. Cause that's what I'm about. We're winning all year. <laughs> Every it. single year Love we're winning. Right? Um, so I hope that you guys can all, you know, find me there. And if you want to email me personally, you can find me at Kayla at perception for you.com. Again, that's Kayla at perception for you.com. And I hope to hear from a lot of you guys. Yes. So I really hope that, um, the listeners were empowered in some way. And just in closing, always remember your story is not solely for you. It's meant to be shared with other women and provide hope to those facing similar hurdles. You don't have to be ashamed and you definitely don't have to be afraid to share. You are a victor, a winner, and you will not be defeated. You declare growth and prosperity over your life and troubles don't last always. You are brilliant, bold, and beautiful. You are her heroic, empowering, and resilient. So thank you all for listening. If you are empowered, uplifted, encouraged, motivated in any way, please share her story. It is available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Google. And follow me, Jay Jameson, on Instagram at herstory underscore podcast. And once again, this is Jay Jameson with Her Story Podcast, and we're out. <music>